0: Season's gonna end on a double doink. 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 Live in the entertainment capital of the world. That's what you want to know. It's the TC Martin Show. Yeah, I
1: don't
0: know that idea. Diagnosis. <laughs> I had an idea and then uh, prognosis. Yeah, I take f- serious. Osmosis. Was it funny? It wasn't. It wasn't funny. I wasn't laughing, about anything. Yeah. It's not funny. It's not fun. Nothing's funny. Don't you ever talk about me. Yeah. I don't know the that idea. That's the result you won't get. It's the doctor, TC Martin. I don't go out there and laugh. Doctor is now in. Glad to have you with us on a terrible Tuesday edition of the TC Martin Show. Gotta remind you, some people may think we're terrible, but it's not a terrible Tuesday because we're terrible. It's because we get to vent our frustration. What we think is terrible. They do a pretty good job of clarifying that.
1: I think you did a fair job of it. Yeah, a fair job. It wasn't a terrible job. (laughs) Thank goodness. (laughs) I mean let's let's be honest. We could do a terrible segment every day. This is there's true? enough terrible news in the world. I mean, we just usually hit on just the the the, the first thin layer of sports. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that are going on all over the place that are just... We don't even want to... Because we want to keep it kind of a light mood.
0: Yeah. But yeah, there's we, a
1: lot of terrible things on this planet.
0: We know that. We know that. So we don't want to be too dark, too deep, too terrible. But again, terrible in the sense that, you know... That really irritates me. That makes me sick. Yeah. It's more the venting, which, uh, you know, people love, uh, the Terrible Tuesday yeah. segment. And we all have kinda fun. Kind of here.
1: like, you know, the WT, what the, yeah you know, yeah. that yeah. kind of stuff. All right. Like, is this real? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'll tell you what uh, will not be terrible today. Our, our guest lineup today will be very, very strong. Liz Cambage, you'll be hearing from her. Uh, and I love talking to Liz. Liz is always fun. She is the effervescent soundbite. You never know what you're going to get out of Liz Cambage, but what you're normally going to get is the realness, and we're going to get that uh, today. I got a chance to talk with her after the shoot-around today as we get ready for the game tonight between the Aces and the Washington Mystics and uh, with Liz talking about the Aces, the Olympic Games, which she desperately wanted to participate in but did not, and mental health. As we know, Liz Cambage has had a lot of mental health issues. She wasn't sure that she wanted to come to Las Vegas uh, when the Aces wanted to bring her here. Didn't know if Las Vegas would be a good fit for her. She knew she didn't want to stay where she was. Mm -hmm. That is true. That is true. And, you know, there in Dallas, again, uh, a lot of people were pulling her a lot of different directions. She was the face of that franchise. She was the face of the country. For women's basketball, and as far as athletes in Australia, you know her and Andrew Bogut, you know Bogut on the men's side, and Liz Cambage on the on the women's side. So, and she's participated in Olympic games before, but it was not in the cards this time around um, because of some mental health issues, some strain she was going through, situations with the Australian uh, Olympic Federation, and uh, she's going to talk all about that today. So going to be uh, some good stuff with uh, Liz Cambage.
1: I want to see video of you and Liz going
0: one-on-one, going down low. <laughs> <laughs> I would just take her outside. I would just take her outside. But she but... would go, she, she would take you down low oh, yeah, and yeah. post you Yeah, up. she would back me down and she would throw the elbows. And then she would give me that, that look and she would talk trash and <laughs> like that. And she would try to hook me. Oh, yeah, she'd try to get away with everything. Yeah. Say we would. You and I had this conversation before. I I talked with her because it then just I popped in that. my head. No. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, you know, yeah. I mean, you're you're still doing all the games for the regular okay. season. You okay. know, once the season ends, whether it's with that championship banner or whatever, mm-hmm. I think that you should do a little thing right now and say, hey, at the end of the season, mm-hmm. you and me, bring a videographer and mm-hmm. uh, you know, let's get it on. See, I would prefer just go game of horse because I'll dominate anybody in horse. Well, yeah, because you don't think she's got as good of an outside shot mm-hmm. as you.
0: She's actually not bad from three.
1: Well, she's probably Believe not bad, not. But, but you have confidence
0: in yourself. in yourself. Well, I haven't played in a long time, but, you know, well, it's not I'm like assuming a, that between
1: yeah. now and when it happens, you're going to warm up a little oh, yeah. bit. Yeah. Get your legs back under you. Yeah,
0: I'll have Chuck out there, you know, like feed me balls and everything, yeah.
1: Plus, in a game of horse, you're not going to have to feel those elbows. That's <laughs> a
0: Good point. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Yeah, okay. Let's, uh, let's put that one in the docket. Let's work on that. That's that's good. Now, uh, Sam Gordon actually challenged me to a game of horse going back two seasons ago. I, you know, I looked at him. I was like, Cause, are, are you kidding me? I mean, so I saw him shooting around, and he's got the elbow out. He's throwing in the line drives. He's got the bad rotation, the three-quarter spin. And I said, no problem. Let's go. But he goes, well, you know, I play every day. I go to you know the gym. I play every day. That's good. I mean, we're not talking about five and five. We're not talking 94 feet. And I don't need to tell you what happened. Yeah. It was domination. Well, if you play
1: every day but you suck every day, it still doesn't mean that you're going to win a game. <laughs> I, I didn't say he sucked, but I'm just saying. Well, I, I didn't say he does either because I, I didn't see him. But yeah. I'm saying don't thing of I play every day. Yeah. yeah. yeah so what? Yeah. Charles Barkley plays golf almost every day. <laughs> Have you seen his swing? <laughs> that would uh, <laughs> be the
0: clarification of sucking. Yeah, no no. you know. So, I mean, there you go. <laughs> just the old I play every day thing. So what? (laughs) Back to the guest lineup for today. Liz Cambage coming down here. uh, We'll have Liz Cambage at 2.30, so uh, that'll be some uh, good listening. Looking forward to that. And Nico, Ali Walsh, coming off his TKO first-round victory. He will join us at 3 o'clock. Looking forward to that. And as you know, we talked to Nico leading up to the fight last week, and he was uh, anticipating... Uh, you know, a great time. It all lived up to expectations. So now we'll get the post-fight conversation with Nico Ali Walsh and now get to relive what he went through at the uh, Hard Rock Casino in Tulsa, Oklahoma on ESPN last Saturday night.
1: Yeah, it'd be interesting too because I want to get his thoughts on although they were talking about everything else going on here in you know in the in that boxing card and everything, mm-hmm. although he was just a four-round fight, he was all the talk of the card. And I, I, Even though there was a really good right.
0: rematch going on, and I can't remember maybe the last time that I saw a four rounder, a professional debut be like say the co main event was maybe Floyd Mayweather Jr. and I remember that at the Texas station going you know way back when I'm not sure if that was the co main or where it was on on that card, but yeah, Nico Alley Walsh definitely is. Uh, it got all the hype, and as we talked a little bit about yesterday with uh, Franco in Maloney 3, it, it uh, I don't want to say it stole the show, but, I mean, it, w- it wasn't a contest. I mean, Nico Ali Walsh, he was fighting Tomato Can, and we talked about that, and we knew it was just a matter of time before he disposed of the guy. And he disposed of him in the first round. and uh, But still, you know, the pre-fight... Interviews, the pre fight, you know, walk into the ring, and the post fight uh, interviews and with Flavor Flav and Bob Aaron lasted probably six times longer than the bout itself.
1: There was more talk about the shorts Nico was wearing than there was about the main event on the card.
0: Right, that's true. <laughs> so Nico Alley Walsh will join us. And uh, also, uh, Chris Denhart is uh, the founder and the executive director of Dugout Mugs which is a very cool product that I've got a chance to dive into and endorse a little bit. And uh, so we'll talk to him about the story. It's a pretty interesting story. If you're not familiar with dugout mugs, I think you're going to enjoy our conversation later on today with Chris because they take a Louisville Slugger, a baseball bat, and turn it into drinking mugs. And they are the coolest thing. And I have posted some pictures. I don't know if you've seen them before or not. But they have so many athletes uh, current major league baseball players as far as hall of famers that are endorsing their product and uh it's it, it's pretty phenomenal it's it's a pretty ingenious idea and there's a pretty cool story behind uh, you know how chris got this company going and everything and he actually happens to be in town with dugout mugs uh th- this week here so that'd be a good time to to give him a little plug and, and talk about the story, but it's pretty cool.
1: So, does he have the Chris Bryant mug, which is endorsed by Bryce Harper since he uses the Chris Bryant bat? <laughs> this is true,
0: right? <laughs> right. I, I don't think either one of those guys <laughs> are, are on the endorsing list, but uh, you know, our good friend Pete Rose has been doing it. Uh, Mariano Rivera, uh, Wade Boggs. I mean, the list kind R- of goes... Rivera
1: is an interesting one. Yeah, for a relief pitcher that never batted, never really got up to the plate,
0: right. But he's got a mug out of the bat that he didn't use. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, Ozzy Smith, Ken Griffey Jr. Um, I got them to make a a mug for Dusty Baker, and I, you know, so I, I gave it to Dusty going back uh, this this past off season, and uh, they said, "Hey, can you get Dusty to, like to you know take a picture with it and this and that and and have him okay that we can use his picture." And so and Dusty did it. He was no problem. So. Uh, yeah, I actually got to design that mug, which was kind of cool, too, because I wanted to give it to him as a present. And what I did is I got an old uh, photograph of him and Hank Aaron and got to post uh, put that on the mug. And so I sent it to them at Dugout Mugs, and they put it together, and so I gave that to Dusty. So it was pretty cool.
1: Well, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. So so you're saying it was easier to get Dusty to take a picture with the mug than it was to get a Dusty jersey out of Houston. <laughs> I, I got that done. Mission, mission accomplished. I didn't say you didn't get it done, but I'm saying you're saying that the one was easier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you didn't have to like double secret probation it and hide it in the luggage and that, and like you're, right. you know, like you're one of those, you know, locked up abroad or something, right. leaving Houston right. with the with the contraband of a okay. jersey. <laughs> so okay,
0: now I'm gonna have to retell the story since you brought it up people don't know what we're talking about. So yes, I asked Dusty for uh, an autographed uh, jersey as kind of a tradition for for my better half. And Dusty said, Hey, goes, uh, um, because of the the lack of access that the media has down there. And he goes, Hey, you've got to come on down, you know, basically by the camera well before the game and I'll give it to you. He goes, but you can't let anybody see it. Dun
1: dun yeah, he goes,
0: don't let dun anybody see us because somebody <laughs> sees me giving you this. They're all gonna want this. He's had a lot of people hit him up. So I said, "Okay, that, that that don't worry about it." He goes, "Well, no, I, I got to worry about it because I got to find a bag that is not clear to give it to you." So, we had to have this timed out perfectly like, "Okay, so you come come down right before the national anthem is is, is going to be played and then I'll pop my head out of the dugout. I'll give you the sign like he's going to the bullpen. I felt like a reliever coming out of the bullpen." Because I was sitting about 10 or 12 rows back, so I had to make sure that I got done with my food tour, that I had my hot dog, that I already had it consumed, because I knew that, give or take, about 12 minutes before first pitch, I was going to be getting the signal to him. You were getting the call. I was getting the call. I was getting the call. So sure enough, I'm surveying the situation. I'm seeing if his head pops out of the dugout. And then sure enough, it was. And I see the trainer next to him. And I'm getting the call. I said, okay, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm coming down the steps. Here I come. Be patient. And there it is. And, you know, people are, are looking. You know, people are sitting in the seats. And then all of a sudden, here comes a trainer going. And then as I, he hands me the bag, a Whole Foods bag, a brown paper Whole Foods bag. So, you know, it's brown. Can't see it. And then underneath, inside that is a clear bag. I guess, you know, from the Astros, the Pro Shop, whatever, with his jersey autographed inside. And it's all, like I said, you know, who, who knows? People are saying, what's this guy got there? Who knows what? And so I get it, put it under my, my arm, and I walk immediately straight up. I want to go to the concourse and go, like, check it out and, you know, hide it or whatever. And as I'm doing that, as I'm walking away, I give Dusty the old Sammy Sosa. You know, look the... You know, two fingers, thank you very yeah. much. Touch your heart. Like, thank you very much. Look up to the sky. There you go. He Pay gives me a little homage. He gives me the fist back. Boom, boom, boom. There we go. Make my way. And then the anthem's getting ready to be played. And I slyly look in the Whole Foods bag. And then I open the other bag. And I say, okay, it's all good. Put it away. And being smart because, you know, we had planned this, I brought in uh, one of those little tote bags. Actually, it's my UNLV tote bag that I got from UNLV a while back. And which was camouflaged, so I discarded the whole foods bag and took the plastic bag and threw it in with uh, my other clothing and, and Astro's hat, and there you go. No one knew the difference,
1: and it's a good thing that it was Dusty popping out of the dugout. Because if it would have been Tom Cruise like Mission Impossible, he's so short you wouldn't have seen him, <laughs> and you never would have got the jersey. Yeah, yeah
0: exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> Dusty clocking in at, at six foot four, six yeah. four and a half. There you go. By, by the way, this is five foot
1: eight. Me saying that Tom Cruise is short, <laughs> right? So. Yeah, because I'm amongst the land of the trees.
0: <laughs> <sighs> I think that would qualify as a good intro to Terrible Tuesday. It's terrible. That's terrible. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. That's
2: a terrible idea. I want to know what the hell he's
1: smoking. Something stinks in here.
2: That's terrible. (laughs) It's Terrible Tuesday. Things
0: gone wrong in the sporting world. All right, I know Frank is our big UFC aficionado. Are you familiar with UFC fighter Jordan Williams?
1: I'm not super familiar with him, but I, I, I know the name.
0: I don't think anybody really is. I mean, this guy is is only had two professional fights. He's actually 0-2 officially in the UFC, so I don't think anyone's really heard of the guy. Well, so
1: well, and you might hear him in Bellator or someplace else soon if he's 0-2 because exactly. Dana tends to not keep people that don't win or at least put on real
0: entertaining fights. Correct. So Jordan Williams made more of a name for himself doing something else. So Jordan Williams stopped a man from stealing his car last Thursday, and gave him a quick MMA lesson in the process. Okay. So, Williams left his car running, not a good idea, at a gas station, one of the convenience stores, right, in Denver. So, he's in the parking lot, quickly goes in to buy himself a drink. Car's running. So, as he exited the gas station, he witnessed a man climbing into the driver's side of his car and attempting to try to back it up. Now, Williams immediately ran to his car and then pulled the guy out of the driver's seat, grabbing him by his neck and his shoulder, and he's tussling with him in his own car. And his car is moving at this time? Yeah, the the car is moving. Okay. But I guess he had this this thing where, you know, if you have the the key in in your possession, right, well, the car is going to stop moving. Okay. And so... Luckily for that, the guy was trying to figure, hey, how come I can't drive the car here, right? So it might be better if we just listen to George Williams discuss it in his own words.
2: What was going through my mind is uh, I got to get the door open. And as I'm running towards the car, man, I wish that you guys could have seen the look on his face because the look on his face wasn't remorse at all. He was looking at me like, I got your car, and this is happening. I was like, uh, no way. So I grabbed the door and it opens. A quick, a quick, like, brief relief uh, hits me, like, yes, now you're mine. Um, I throw my belongings on the front seat, you know, because I need those. I was getting, uh, I was running in, my blood sugar was low, so I was getting a sugary drink uh, uh, to raise my blood sugar. Then I, I so I throw the stuff on the front seat. Uh, I hit him a couple times, and then, uh, yeah, then, so um, at that point, he's saying, he's sorry, he's sorry. Uh, he was still in the car, so I, I threw some knees at him, and then uh, he he uh, he got out and he ran away. I didn't I didn't want to pursue him because you know like the main goal was to, to get the package, receive my car. Man, whew, you got lucky, man. You, you got, I got lucky, and so did you. All right, life lesson
0: learned here. Uh, come on, man, turn off your car. Plain and simple. Especially if you're driving a nice car, you, you might get uh, might get carjacked. Well, you might get car
1: checked, but the other thing that I'm taking out of this is I didn't want to presume and that my blood sugar was low. So, okay, what's to stop this guy from trying it again? Okay, you save your car. Mm -hmm. What about the next guy who's not an MMA fighter? Mm -hmm. And by the way, I don't think you can petition Dana now. You're not going to be one and two as an MMA fighter because that wasn't a sanctioned fight. Right, exactly. Well, that's what I was
0: going to (laughs) say. So, Williams signed with UFC back last September, and after a successful appearance in, in Dana White's contender series, uh, you know, the guy now is officially zero two in the UFC, but he's one and zero at the gas station. All right there, you go. Yeah, he's right. one and zero behind the wheel. That's it <laughs> of his own wheel. All right. Uh, I don't know if you saw the story about Andre Drummond. Andre Drummond, uh, been on the show uh, before. Uh, signed a, a big contract here in the off season. Well, Andre Drummond rescued his two-year-old son from his own swimming pool. Now, I saw a video of this, and I, I was a little bit disturbed about this. So there's a lady, and I don't know if it was the mother of the son, is sitting on the edge of the pool, and she's fully clothed. And then there is the two-year-old kid who is about six feet away from her, standing on the edge of the pool. Okay, now this is a you know in-ground pool, cement pond, as the Beverly Hillbillies would say, right? You know what I'm talking about. So the kid is on the edge of the pool, The kid just falls in. And the next thing you see, and this is from security footage at Andre Drummond's house, Andre comes flying in from the house on the edge of the breezeway and then jumps in the pool, grabs the kid, and still the lady, the mom, whoever she is, is just still sitting there and then she starts to stand up. So no supervision here whatsoever. My question is, A, why is Andre not, I don't want to bag on him too much here, but he's like in the breezeway, but far away from the kid. But why is this kid by himself on the edge of a pool? Well, I'm guessing
1: Andre figured he was by the pool because he had supervision with the woman there. Then when he saw the kid fall in the pool, he realized that he didn't have that. So Andre, being aggressive like he is, crashed the glass, went to the boards, (laughs) saved the kid and got the rebound. Now, with the way that she reacted, he might be looking for another rebound because that's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, a two-year-old around a pool? What the hell are you doing? Hey. And then, like you said, to nonchalantly just kind of get up like, oh, did you save the child? <laughs>
0: no life jacket. N- nothing. I mean, again, the kid is standing right there. And if you are six feet away, you got to be wondering, like, uh, th- this could be danger time. And she's just like nonchalant, like, the uh, kid's not going to jump in the pool. Why would the kid jump in the pool? Well, the kid jumped in the pool. Well, he, he jumped or he fell.
1: Yeah. But, however, right. he ended up in the pool. Yeah. Gee, a two-year-old on the edge of a pool, mesmerized by water, which looks so cooling and refreshing. <laughs> what a shock
0: that it might end up in the pool. Pretty bad parenting. You say that Andre you know, went and crashed the glass, and he got the rebound, right? Well, it's a good thing that, you know, he didn't have possession there, that he didn't go ahead and and go for the putback. That's a good thing.
1: I'm just glad that they didn't have to go to a video review because (laughs) we still probably wouldn't know what happened. True. (laughs) Well, I'm going to go back to your first story a little bit and go back to the UFC world because I don't know if you saw this one or not. Kat who's a pretty successful female fighter, has fought for championships. Well, she claims now that she was offered a movie role by none other than Halle Berry. Wow. A pretty big movie coming up, a role that she was basically set up for. It's uh, it's called Bruised, I believe it is. It's a movie that they're going to make about fighting and combat sports and things. So Kat was like, yeah, I'm definitely interested in it. And Hallie was like, okay, well, you know, we need to know if you want the movie or not. Well, around that time, the UFC called Kat Zingano and offered her a big fight. So she called Hallie and she said, look, they've offered me a big fight. I kind of want to take it in that. But, uh, you know, I want to let you know that I'm going to be doing it. So she claims Halle Berry told her, well, you know, if you take the fight, our insurer in that can't guarantee that you're still going to have the movie because of insurance reasons and stuff like that. So I'm recommending that you don't take the fight. So Kat said she, you know, agonized over for a while. And finally she said, all right, I'm not going to take the fight. I'm going to do the movie because I really want to do the movie and look at some things after my career. So she let Dana White in the UFC know that she was turning on the fight. Dana said, okay, fine. You are now cut from the UFC. Wow. So Kat Singano let Halle Berry know that, hey, you know, I'm, I'm in to do the movie and it, but it just cost me my UFC job, basically. She claims that Halle Berry told her, well, if you're not a UFC fighter, there's no role for you in the movie anymore. <laughs> oh. So she now lost the fight. She claims she doesn't have the role in the movie. Halle won't return any of her calls or get back to her at all. She is now suing Halle Berry for promising her this role. It didn't happen. Now she doesn't know what to do. She doesn't have a UFC contract. She doesn't have the movie contract. So she's trying to sue Halle Berry. I don't know how this stuff works itself out. But it wasn't. It hasn't been a good week or so for Kat Zingano. <laughs> She was over 2 on this, uh, yeah, this transaction. Yeah, and, and, and apparently, because and Gano is a big name, so okay. she probably had a pretty good payday there but thought she was going to break into the movie thing. But, oh, you're not a UFC fighter anymore? Then <laughs> the role's gone.
0: Okay, I'm going to take uh, both sides of this here. Okay, first <laughs> of all, if, you, if you're if Kat, I, I agree with her. It's like, okay, Dana White, I got a chance to, to do this movie. This fight's not going anywhere. I mean, I, I could take this fight any time, right? Like really tight. Was it really wasn't. Was it a title fight? Was it? Well, no, but it might have been a contender fight
1: that she could have got another title okay. shot. or So something. Anyway. it didn't say who the fight was with. Okay. She just said it was a very
0: big right. fight. So I get that part. And then when you're going to Halle Berry, well, she committed to you. You it sounds like you both you know committed to each other here. And so what if she got stripped of her or UFC contract or whatever? No one's even going to know that. They're going to know Kat Sangano is a UFC fighter, whether it's a former UFC fighter or not, but probably better than anybody else that they're going to put. And she does have a name, like you say. So for me... There's something else going on here because you don't need to currently be in the UFC to actually be in this movie. You just need to play the role, which I'm sure she would do exceptionally well because she is a professional UFC fighter, professional mixed martial arts fighter. So to me, that makes no sense. There has to be something else going on. Or maybe did Dana and Hallie get together and say, hey, let's blackball this you-know-what. And who knows? I mean, has, has she had problems with Halle Berry in the past? Has she had problems with Dana White? But now if you're Dana White... I mean, come on, Dana. I mean, do you really got to cut her loose? I thought she was
1: good for your promotion. Dana doesn't like people that turn down fights when he offers it to him. That's why when somebody gets a fight, when somebody gets an injury, and Dana says, hey, TC, will you step in and take this fight? And you go, I haven't had much of a training camp. Dana goes, okay, I'll remember that you weren't there for me. Dana would rather have somebody go in and take a fight on short notice. Even if they lose, he will remember that that person tried to help save his card. He will reward them down the road. Dana's not somebody that likes to be said no to.
0: Yeah, I it just, it just think. And that as this, far as the Halle Berry
1: thing goes, I'm I'm sorry, and and I feel for Kat and Gano, but if you're going to give up one payday, you better get something in writing or something to show that okay, hey, if I give up this fight, I need a contract now that
0: says that the movie's going on. Yeah, and that's what I was going. That was the other part I was going to say, she's got no legal recourse. In my opinion, she's got no legal recourse. I'm trying to sue. You know, Halle Berry, it's not going to happen because she didn't have a signed deal. She didn't have a signed deal. There's
1: no recordings or nothing from their conversation, nothing that I know of. So, again, I feel sorry for her if it's true. But, you know, maybe it's an expensive lesson, but maybe lesson learned.
0: Before you give up one thing, make sure you have the other. So what do you think? Does Dana White, do they get back together and say, hey, you know, let's let bygones be bygones and, you know, we'll get you back?
1: I think Dana might do that, but Dana, being Dana, also might say, "Uh, go fight a fight in Bellator or Pro Fight League or something like that to show me again that you're worthy of being here because Dana's literally got almost every MMA fighter on the planet knocking down his door trying to get into UFC. And where would you rate Kat Sangano as far as She's, know, certainly top top five. She's, she's, she's certainly top five. She's top five, right? She's top five, certainly for her weight class and everything. Mm-hmm. There, like I say, she's had championships fights. She hasn't quite got it done. I would say that she's kind of she's one of those barometers. If you can beat Kat Zingano, you might deserve a shot at the title. I don't know that she'll ever win the title, but I mean, she's put on competitive fights. All right,
0: we'll uh, continue to uh, to monitor this
1: story. <laughs> and right. I'm also curious to see who ends up if they make the movie and who gets the role that Kat didn't get.
0: Exactly. <laughs> Jake Arrieta had his uh, second stint with the Chicago Cubs end rather quickly. Uh, He got the start going back about what five nights ago. Gave up seven runs in the first inning. Final score, Milwaukee 10, Cubs nothing. Uh, Jake spent the last three seasons in Philadelphia where it didn't go so well. And remember, Jake Arrieta, we've talked to Chris Bosio about Jake many times because Jake... Had those two great seasons with the Cubs in 2015 and 2016. 2016 when he won the Cy Young Award. Had two no-hitters during that season. And won a world championship as the ace of the Cubs during that season. Had 40 wins in those two seasons with the Cubs. And after he tried to parlay that success into a free agent contract with the Phillies, it didn't work so well. I mean, Jake's arm was pretty much shot. We've kind of talked about this before. So they said, you know, Jake, you're done. You're out of here. So he comes back with the Cubs at the beginning of this year. He's had a horrendous season. And then finally, the Cubs said, you know, after giving up seven runs in the first, you're out of here. So you're thinking, okay, Jake, his career is probably done, right? What happens yesterday? Jake Arrieta gets signed by another major league club. Well, kind of. Well, Okay, I'll, you, you go ahead and, and, and tag on to the story from there. He did, he did
1: get signed by a yeah. major league club, but it's a minor league contract. Right. Because. But it's with a contender, too. Yes. The San Diego Padres right. are saying, well, Jake, if you have anything left in the tank, now is the time to show us, but we're not going to let you do it in a meaningful major league baseball game. We're not that confident. Go down to our minor league club. Let's see if you have something and see if maybe you can help us with the September call-ups and maybe get us into that one of those wild-card spots and see what can happen from there. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, Jake Arietta. And it's interesting, too, and I, like you said, we talked to Chris Basio about this, too, and other people said it, too. That year that he won the Cy Young and that he looked incredible, there was even talk that year that he looked like he was kind of wearing out and slowing down at the end of the season. And when the Philly gave him all that money and he went there, there were some people that thought, we don't know if he's ever going to have a season like that again, and they yep. kind of turned out
0: to be right. Oh, no, and I remember talking about that, too. I thought it was a ridiculous contract that, that he signed. And, and again, I mean, Jake Arrieta, I mean, this this guy in his mid-30s, pitched 20 games this year with the Cubs, 5-11, 6.88 ERA. Uh, no, it just it did not have a good season at all. But I think that's if San Diego is going to go and sign him, it is a little bit insulting to have him go down to the minors. If you're not sure about Jake Arietta again, being a long-standing sta- uh, veteran, sometimes because you are a World Sh- uh, Series champion and you are a Cy Young Award winner, you get the benefit of the doubt. And looking at the rest of that San Diego Padres rotation and even the middle relievers, Jake Arrieta could be fine just if you want to bring him out of the bullpen and maybe even make Jake Arietta maybe even a closer or at least a setup guy. I don't think he needs to, you know go down to the minor leagues and really prove himself. I mean, you're going to be able to find out what he's got. And again, if you look at this Padres bullpen, it's it's not stellar. No, and I
1: agree with that. The only thing I can say, because I don't know what the Padres are thinking, maybe they looked at film of him in Chicago and they saw some mechanical thing or something that they thought they have to work on, and maybe they think in the minors they can tune him up and get ready. I don't know what the exact reason is. You're right. But it also shows the desperation that Jake Arietta has right now that he would sign and agree to go
0: to the miners. Yeah, that is, that is a little bit shocking. All
1: right. All right, I'm going to back another story that we had a while ago. We just talked about Chris Bozio and talking about Jake Arietta. Well, you another guy that Boz told us about recently was Max Scherzer.
0: Yes, my guy Max, yeah. Mad Max.
1: And he told us about the time when he was down in the bullpen and Max was warming up for a game. And, you know, he basically asked him if he wanted some water or something. And Max basically told him, Get the hell out of my face. I'm warming up. Leave me alone. Mm -hmm. You know, and then Basio had something to say to him later when Max, Mm -hmm. in his way, tried to apologize. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know if you saw the game on August 5th when Max made his debut with the Dodgers. Yes. But Dave Roberts talked about that night himself. With the Dodgers there, he talked about, you know, Max was pitching well. And he came off the mound and said, I gave him kind of a pat on the butt. And he said, way to go. You know, you're looking good and that kind of stuff. And he goes, he mumbled something to me, but I wasn't sure what it was. And basically, I realized that he mumbled, don't effing touch me. (laughs) And so Dave was like, he said he went up to him a little bit later on and said, because he talked to some of the other guys on the team, and they said, yeah, yeah, Doc, don't touch him. He doesn't like to be touched. Doesn't like anybody bothered. And so Dave Roberts said he went up to him, and he said, did you just mutter to me, don't effing touch me? And he said, Scherzer looked at him, and he said, well, I said it as nicely as I could think of saying it at the time in that because I don't like to be touched. Mm-hmm. I'm on the mound. It's my game. I'm a professional. Yep. I know what I need to do. Yep. I don't need people touching me or yep. encouraging me yep. or nothing else. So it kind of, I thought, piggybacked perfectly what Basio yep. said. When Max Scherzer's on the mound, if you're his teammate, leave him alone. Doesn't have to be thrown a no-hitter to be left
0: alone. Just leave him alone and let him do his thing, or he might say something that might hurt your feelings. <laughs> So, this is a great story in so many ways. And, like I said, you, you brought it back to where we talked to Bozio about it. And I told you, I've had several uh, conversations with Max Scherzer before when he was in Washington. And I would, and I was told basically, stay away from Max on game day, which I did and most of the media did. But you get him outside of game day or after his start is over, he's great. I mean, seriously, he's one of the nicest guys in the world. And, you know, Max has gone through a lot. You know, he's got one blue eye and one brown eye. And he actually embraces that. And, you know, a lot of people made fun of him when he was a kid about all that stuff. And and the Nationals, when he pitched for them, they kind of, like, embraced that. And they use it as kind of intimidation factor and everything. But Max is a great guy. And uh, I never saw any confrontations with him and Dusty Baker. But you got to remember, those Dodgers and Nats series in the playoffs – were really heated. And that's why it was kind of strange to see him go to the Dodgers in, in that situation. This was his first game you know, in a Dodger uniform, and he was a little emotional about you know getting traded by Washington. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I can see that. I could see where that would happen. And Dave Roberts, honestly, he's a guy that is known for pulling his pitchers early. Just ask Clayton Kershaw. Ask other guys that have had no-nos going, and he's pulled them. So I don't think Max has a whole bunch of respect for Dave Roberts because of their battles uh, against the Dodgers back in the day. And now he's playing for him, and he knows that Max isn't going to get a chance to go deep into games because Roberts loves the hook. So I think there's something there about, hey, I'm not really crazy about you anyway. And, yeah, don't touch me because I'm in your zone, but I just don't picture Max and, and Dave Roberts hanging out anytime soon.
1: Yeah, and just remember this, in today's era, in 2021, you don't touch people. Yeah. You don't touch a man, woman, whatever team you're on, whatever sport but it is. But that's relationship, though. Because, no, I know. But, and, yeah. and I said that yeah. kind of tongue-in-cheek. In no, that, I but, know. I but know. it is different. Yeah. But, yeah, but you do have to know your players and people like that. Yeah. And, again, from what the teammates said there and like you said in Washington, sometimes it's kind of it, – it, to me it's actually a little bit strange that Dave Roberts didn't know that about Max when he came there. Yeah. Like you said, it was well-known in Washington. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like when we first started covering the Golden Knights – and you don't talk to Marc-Andre Florent game day or right. Robin Leonard or whoever the goalie is. You don't talk to the starting goalie. Now, Flower would have still talked to us, but right. Max Scherzer obviously is somebody that when they say putting on your game face and something oh, what's a game face, and Bobby Knight did the thing years ago about it, Max Scherzer apparently actually has one. Right. So, and whether he's wearing a mask or not, you probably can tell what the game face is. Mm-hmm. Bottom line, if Max is on the mound... He's off limits. <laughs> All
0: right, uh, terrible Tuesday takes. you can always hit us on Twitter with your own at TC Martin 21 at VGK Frank. When we come back, getting hear from Liz Cambage, Aces in action tonight coming off that thrilling victory on Sunday afternoon. They were down 21 points. They led two to nothing. And led again at eighty four, eighty three. So back in action tonight, the Mandalay Bay Michelob Ultra Arena. It was bookend leads. Yes, it was bookend leads. We'll talk to Liz about that, plus so many other issues as well. Coming up next,
3: you're listening to some bull on the TC Monitor.
0: We get ready for. Tonight's game, the Las Vegas Aces in action at the Mandalay Bay, Michelob Ultra Arena against the Washington Mystics once again. And joining me now is the one and only Big Benzie, as I like to call her. (laughs) The superstar, Liz Cambage, the center, the guard. I don't know what we're calling you these days. What's up, Liz? What's up, TC? (laughs) All right, we got a lot to get to. Let's first talk about... The comeback on Sunday. Yeah. Like, the comeback. The slow start. But then the second half, you guys start to put it together. Mud. Take us through the game from the beginning to the end from your perspective.
3: Yeah. But going into it mentally, like, I knew I had to bring the energy. Well, we got how many gold medals we got on this team from this Olympics. So, hmm. like, I knew them girls were going to be tired. Hmm. I couldn't really keep my my butt on the court the first half. You know, I got in a bit of foul trouble. But in that second quarter, in the second half, sorry, I was like, we just got to come back. We were down by 15. I think we were down by 21 at one point. In the the second and Mm -hmm. chipped away. And that's all you can do. You put yourself in a bad position. You just got to chip away and and climb out that hole. And we did it. You know, we locked in the second half and we got it done from the beginning to the end. Um, And it's exciting. You know, I've I've said, like, I haven't seen us play to our potential for... (laughs) Like more than twenty minutes, I feel like mm-hmm. as a collective on the court. Um, so heading into like playoffs and stuff, I, I'm excited that we're on this 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 end of the season.
0: In that fourth quarter on Sunday, you had nine points. Big stop at the end for you contesting Ariel Atkins' shot. Oh, uh, what was the difference for you down the stretch? Was it just getting locked in, or we were all just locked in?
3: We was all locked in. We just wanted to win. That aerial, like getting aerial Atkins with five seconds to go is not a position I would like to find myself in ever again. Like she's a killer. Like everyone was like, Liz, don't look so shook. Like after after she like after the game, I was like, I'm sorry, I was just terrified for like a good five seconds because she had just hit a three like in the third with a hand, my hand in her face. So I'm, wait, I got to play this girl with five. Oh. So yeah, she shot that ball, and it was like slow motion for me, very slow motion. And I would, all I could see was Sports Center, like play the game. And then that, that thing popped. I said, thank you, Lord. Basketball gods got me today. But I didn't see Asia's help. Yes. Low key, Asia had big help. Mm-hmm. And cause I didn't even see her. I was so locked in in the moment. But,
0: yeah, it was it was, it was it was the
3: double homicide, me and Asia locking it down on the defensive end.
0: <laughs> what was the mood like at halftime? What was Bill's message to you guys?
3: Just like, come on. Like, it's not over. Lock in. Like, clean it up. Like, it's ain't over. Mm-hmm. Um, that's right. We got back out there. We got back to
0: work. All right. When you have a comeback like that, there's usually a key moment or a stretch. Mm-hmm. What do you feel that was for you guys down the stretch?
3: Oh, When we when we started going off in the third, um, definitely, yeah, the third quarter is when we really started working it back again.
0: Mm-hmm. Liz Cambage joins us, and the Aces back in action again tonight against the Washington Mystics. Okay, a five-week break. How hard is it to be playing and working out every day, and then all of a sudden you come to a complete stop? Especially for you, yeah, because you... Ain't
3: something I've done before. <laughs> because ain't something I've done before, but I needed it.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: I needed it. I'm going to be completely honest. Like, This is the first time I've ever been a part of the WNBA in an Olympic year, and it's just not something mm-hmm. as a major player on, you know many teams like it's not easy to 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 just jump out of the aces and then go jump in with your national team and then meant to come back here and 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 play a week after like and mentally physically i just wasn't there so i was like i got a decision i can give the olympics my all Mm -hmm. and probably not come back or i can take a break now and really focus with the aces so i needed that break Mm -hmm. um I think it's easier to, to, to relax and get back into it than to go to the Olympics right. and then pop back. But it's bizarre, but I've, I've had a good break. You know, I had a little bit of time off in, in Newport Beach and then yeah. go back to training yeah. with my coach out in the valley. So I enjoyed it. Right. I needed it. Yeah. And I'm feeling a lot better for it.
0: We know how important that your national team is in the Olympics because we talked mm-hmm. a lot about that leading up mm-hmm. to it, and then you, you didn't play the last couple of games, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you mm-hmm. know before the break there. Take us through your situation, what happened, and then what led to the decision mm-hmm. for, for you not to go in the Olympics.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, had to miss those two games and, and uh, with the with the aces and started training again with the Australian team and. I could barely get through a session with my Achilles. Um, I had Achilles problems. I'm already exhausted from our season. Going, I was broken. Um, the the day we played, what was the last game I played before the
0: break? Yeah, it was what two two games before that. Mm. So you know, but a week mini? a week no, a week before, the game
3: before, the- before mini. It was the game. Before think it was, Yeah. It was it was bad. It was it was like one of the worst. The Phoenix games game, I had. yeah. I had, I had been like, crying with the coaches that day, about uh, the Australian team coaches, about how tired and stressed I was. So like, the, the way, mentally, how I was feeling, if you were around me the month leading into the Olympics, you would have known I, I was not okay. Mm-hmm. I'd been vomiting from stress during, during our games. Um, not sleeping, not eating. My anxiety was bad. But as soon as I made the decision, like, as soon as there was no fans, I was like, I just don't want to do this bubble. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it makes it me less of a professional athlete that this whole bubble situation is just, like, something I really don't want to put myself in.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: I don't know if that makes me less of a professional. Like, the thought of all these bubble situations I just is just not for... Someone with anxiety and that like needs an escape route right. all the time. Right. Like I'm the type of person I walk into a building, I walk into someone else's house, I walk into a party, I walk into an event. I always know where the exit is straight away. Right. Um and that's my thing, like you don't know what people are going through. Like we got girls on this team, like you don't you don't know idea what's going on back at home. Right. Like this breast cancer game, like I remember two years ago we were doing like our, our dumb NBA stuff, like the the videos and it was like our media day. And they were like, taught, we want you to do like, the breast cancer shout-out. And I was like, look, I'd rather girls on the team that have been touched by breast cancer like do it because I don't really have anyone with breast cancer in my life. Mm-hmm. The, uh, and, and at the end of that season, it was funny, I debuted the Pink Hardens. We got knocked out by Washington. I went home. As soon as I landed, my mom had to sit me down and tell me that our, one of our family members had breast cancer. And it's just crazy. Like, I've always thought, like, it's one, in, it's one in three women that get it. And I've always looked at, like, the three women in my family. And for, like, one of us to finally get it is just, like, it's so it's so heartbreaking and hard. But I'm lucky that um, the person in my life that, that fought breast cancer, she's still here and she's still going. But it's just, like, you have no idea. That's what I was going through all last week, and uh, all last year, sorry. And the pandemic, like, you just got no idea what people are going through. Mentally and physically. Right.
0: You have always been very open mm-hmm. about how this kind of stuff affects you. Mm-hmm. You've been a great proponent for, you know, mental health awareness. Mm-hmm. And when you saw the Olympic Games, I don't know how much you actually did watch, but mm-hmm. then you were watching someone like Simone Biles yeah. go through what she went mm-hmm. through. Mm-hmm. It really had to resonate with you as well, too.
3: Yeah, like it's not easy to watch. Like I do from the jump, this whole bubble, no fans. Mm. Like, the Olympics is the most intense situation for an athlete. Like, it's Everest. It's Everest. And you've been working for this since you were a kid, since you were a teenager. Like, you've been locked in for the last four years chasing this one goal. And it comes down to this one moment. And you're in a, locked in a village with, like, thousands of other athletes that are feeling the same way. Like, I didn't want no part of that energy. Like, that, that it would have just been a big dome of, like, just... just you could cut the tension by a knife in there. And I don't know, look. Like, it just... It just wasn't for me right it just wasn't for me and i got two i've been to two already like right. i know what it's like. i've been I, it's not right. my first rodeo like right. i know what to expect i know how it goes down and mm-hmm. it just wasn't for me
0: now that you know that you got 10 games left mm-hmm. and it's it's coming crunch time mm-hmm. playoffs expectations are high mm-hmm. how are you feeling right now mentally and physically i feel
3: good i feel great it's nice being back you here. look great you sound great No organisation in my life as an athlete has, like, cared about me as a human, like, the Aces do. So this is is where it's at, like, from the top to the bottom, from Mark Davis to to Dan to our coaches. Like, everyone checks (laughs) on me, everyone's got my back, and I'm very lucky and very blessed to be here. Because I played for organisations that... Didn't give a, a flying duck
0: mm-hmm.
3: about anything to do with my physical, my mental, but you still want me to go out there and lead you to a ring and and, and put your franchise on my back? And that ain't mm-hmm. it.
0: In retrospect now, looking back, yeah, that the move here to Las Vegas really... Was a real positive for you? Definitely. Yeah.
3: Definitely. So like, I was trying this to say. City, uh, this city crazy as hell. Like It's crazy <laughs> out here. Like, I'm sorry. It's 120 every day. Everyone on Demon Time is <laughs> heavy after this COVID craziness. But you know, I found my little spot down in Henderson. Summerlin. Be hanging out in Summerlin. Yeah. Like, the quiet areas away from the Strip. Yeah. But it's, it is fun. Uh, we got the craziest fans in the league. Like The house goes yeah. off. Like, it's lit up in here i can't wait for it to be lit tonight yeah. all the guys all the girls that come out to our games they see it like it's just it's a really exciting city and where sport is going in this city as well is it, super exciting like i had never been to summer league before right. i was courtside side like every second day last week enjoying it and you know i've really learned to, to to love basketball a whole lot more through this pandemic like i've really had time to sit and watch and study the game like i just Growing up, I was just, I was like, I don't want to watch any more basketball. I play this game. Mm-hmm. And also living in Australia, like I didn't really have, you know, an afternoon and an evening full of NBA just on the TV. Right. Like I would have to have ESPN on at like right. 5 a.m. to catch a right. game. Right. So I, being, being here in the pandemic has really, you know, increased my love for the game um, and helped me really find my place
0: here in America. What's the best part for you being on this team?
3: getting to talk to you before games
0: <laughs> well said
3: <laughs> and our wonderful TV host of as well. course oh yeah she's we wonderful got, we, too. we yeah. got the lovely ladies on TV and, uh, <laughs> and TC behind the radio
0: there you go I appreciate it Liz Cambage joins us get ready for tonight's game birthday Hello. birthday this girl is going to be 30 actually technically Depends on where you're at in the world. You're already 30. Oh, so happy birthday, girl. Thank you. AJ, nothing but a number. Don't, don't <laughs> Keep be. not telling me that. Come on. Keep telling me that, y'all. Give me the birthday plans. Come on. I
3: got a little dinner tomorrow night in L.A. Just Ooh. with my, yeah, my friends and family back there. And then back for practice Thursday morning.
0: That's it? Yeah. What about the uh, post-game uh, celebration tonight after the victory?
3: We got to get that win first. Is there gotta, a doubt? We got to get that W. No, nah, but they're going to come out hot. They're going to come out hot after that last game. So we just need to come locked in, and then I, I can uh, celebrate a new decade. All
0: right. Final mm-hmm. thing for you as we get ready for tonight's game, stretch run, playoffs on the horizon. How confident do you feel about you, your teammates, and this stretch run?
3: Very confident. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You want a ring, don't you, girl? Yes, sir. <laughs> Shit, no Forget that gold medal. It's all about the ring, right? No one put in
3: a Harry Winston on this finger anytime soon, so let me go get my own. <laughs> and I'm sure if we get it, Mark Davis going to get me something real nice. <laughs> you know he is.
0: All right. Well, happy birthday, girl. Liz Cambage, and good luck tonight. Thank Always you. a pleasure talking with you.
3: Thank you. Thank you, TC. Sorry. Thank you.
0: Liz Cambage. One of my favorites, again, because she's an open book She'll talk about what's on her mind. She'll talk about her struggles, her mental health issues, and going back to what transpired before the Olympic Games, it was a very, very important thing for her, always has been. She's been to Olympic Games, but her country, playing for the Opals, as she likes to say, and Team Australia, it meant a lot to her. And to go through what she went through, there was an altercation uh, during one of the... Uh, exhibition games. It was kind of a closed-door exhibition game against Nigeria. And uh, there was some animosity between one of her teammates and and Liz. And it got kind of blown out of proportion a little bit. And she was fragile. Like she said, leading up to that Olympic training, she goes back about two or three weeks before that, she was saying that she was just stressed. You know, with all the pressure. And a lot of us don't understand the pressure that an athlete has when they are the face of their country, like she is. We talk about Andrew Bogut, Luke Longley, Patty Mills, you know, those, those Australian athletes. Being the biggest female athlete, at least basketball star, a lot of pressure on Liz Cambage and living, however far that is, You know, 4,000 miles away, um, and people don't understand what she's gone through. I mentioned Simone Biles, Naomi Osaka, uh, the mental health is a real issue, and she wears it on her sleeve. And I appreciate for her – always appreciate her talking about it because it's not easy for people to talk about that.
1: Yeah, so she went from uh, playing down under to now playing down low for the Aces. Mm-hmm. She liked what she saw here in Vegas. Now she wants to put a ring on it. So, you know, uh, good for her, and we'll mm-hmm. see how it all works out. But, yeah, I mean, she she's definitely a quality basketball player. But it also shows, too, that, again – a lot of times, people look at somebody's size, and especially with women, it seems like even more, you know, a big woman, she's, you know, she's carrying the world on her shoulders, she can handle whatever we throw at them or something like that. Or like a Simone Biles or Naomi Osaka. Oh, Na- again, Simone Biles put a goat on her own leotard. So she did bring some of the attention to her, but, you know, she didn't know that she was going to have a breakdown right during the tryouts and that for the Olympics. Naomi Osaka, people, oh, I think she's faking it. Says, How do you know? Again, I follow her on Instagram and in that. She is a very, you know, She's a very sensitive young lady and that kind of stuff. But just because somebody's big or strong or athletic or whatever, you don't know what's going on in their head. You don't know what's going on in their world. And like you said, with Liz Cambage, she's the face of the Australian basketball team. But it's not like being the face of USA where, okay, I'm Asia Wilson. But I also have all the other, uh, you know, there's also uh, uh, Tarasi and Bird and Griner and everything else out there. She doesn't exactly have the same supporting cast. Mm. And if she does go to the Olympics, the pressure to win a medal is going to be pretty high on yeah. that team. Yeah,
0: and there have already been some some disappointments in the past couple Olympic uh, games that where Australia hasn't won. But there you go. All right, uh, Liz Cambage, you can see her tonight. And you can get tickets to the Aces game. They're opening it back up. you got to wear masks and everything. So uh, there it is tonight against the Washington Mystics. They came back down 21 points. They won 84-83, second half of the season underway. Only four home games left, so check it out tonight at the Mandalay bay Michelob Ultra Arena. Or, if you can't, listen to uh, the call. We had an exciting call there on Sunday and a 6.30 pregame show, 7 o'clock tip-off tonight. Aces and the Mystics, you can listen to that. A few notches down the dial, AM 1100 to 100.9 FM.
1: Bring your headset into the Ultra Arena and then listen to it while you're doing it. But if you don't know all the players in that, you'll know them
0: when TC shouts up their names. There you go. All right, looking forward to tonight's game. Appreciate Liz Cambage, Asia Wilson, Chelsea Gray, Kelsey Plum, Jackie, all of them, just uh, D.R. Uh, just, just a pleasure. All right, we come back. Nico Ali Walsh will join us. He won his pro debut. In a grand style. We'll talk to him coming up next.